What's up, guys? Can you hear me? No? I can hear you. You can hear me? Yeah? Yes? All right. I, I hope you guys can hear me. Um, man, can we, can we just give God, like, praise? That was so awesome. Um, last night, I, I heard so many great things. I, um, man, just the, the I believes, the recommitments, uh, the confessions, the conviction, I think was so beautiful. And man, I, um, I, I missed it. Like I wasn't, I wasn't in here with you guys the whole time because I was out, out there taking care of something else. And um, I, I so badly like wanted to, to be here to, to see God work in your lives, but I'm so glad I still got to hear all of it. And it's beautiful and it's amazing. And uh, I just want to begin with saying, man, I, I so hope that the conviction, the feeling that you felt from yesterday, tonight, throughout camp, wh whatever it is, that it actually translates into something tangible as we head back. And so, man, like I, I was a... Um, when I was in sixth grade, I went to camp and I heard the gospel and I put my faith in Jesus for the first time. And I was like doing what a lot of you guys did right now and last night, just crying and like my like nose is running into my mouth and like eating it. And like, I'm just like a mess, right? I'm like, like God is just moving. I'm like so convicted by my sin. Like, and, and, and when I put my faith in Jesus, it felt like, 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 like I was free, like it, it felt completely different. And, and some of you are still on that, like, man, I feel different, right? E even in the, in the sharing, like it, it feels different, like I feel lighter or, or whatever it is. And then camp was over. And then I signed up for a baptism and I went back and I got baptized. And then what happens? You go back, you go back home. And it gets hard and it gets challenging because all your issues and problems and habits are still there. And I know you guys don't even want to think about that, but I have to talk about it because we're going to get out of here in like 12 hours or so. We're going to get on the bus. And so, so what does it look like? Honestly, what does it look like to turn this conviction, this confession, these feelings, how can we actually channel that and change? Like, how can you actually change? Because aren't you sick of the like, man, I come to camp, or you're just waiting for the next camp to feel something? Like, don't you want there to be actual transformation in your life? And so what is that practically going to look like? Like, what can be different this time around so you don't have to recommit the second, third, fourth, fifth time? How can we actually have resilient faith and grow? And in our culture, we already talked about this idea. And it, it, it kind of looks like this. Um, have you guys been in a lazy river before? Yeah? Okay. Lazy River, it's, it's nice because you could just go in there and just do nothing, right? It'll, it'll, you'll just move. You just go in a little f tube or something and just be out there for hours, get sunburned, and it's, it's great, right? So you're out there. But culture is kind of like a lazy river, but imagine following Jesus is trying to go the other way. You're trying to go the other way. And so what happens is what? you got to swim upstream, like, just to stay in the same spot, you're going to have to put in effort. Like, something is going to have to happen for you just to stay in the same spot and for you to actually make momentum forward because the, the lazy river is just going to slowly guide you over. But if you're trying to go over there, man, you're going to need to work twice as hard to get over there. And so how can we build that into our lives going back? 
Because some of you, you've shared in your home life, just speaking very frankly, is really challenging. It's so hard. The culture at your schools that you're facing, it, I really believe Satan is using that, and it's becoming such a distraction. And I don't want whatever good seed that was planted into your heart to be taken away by culture. The, the habits, the habits that you've built, the addictions that you've had, some, some of you, it's almost dec- a decade of addiction. This is, this is hard to, to break. And so how can we actually go back and be transformed and changed? What is this actually going to look like for us? And we're going to close here. We're going to wrap up here. Daniel 9. Daniel chapter 9. And so if you have your Bibles, great. If not, it'll be on the screen. And at this point in Daniel 9, see, in the beginning, we saw what? They left Judah to where? Babylon, exactly. Are, are you guys tracking with me? Yeah? Okay. They went there, and then at this point, they're actually returned home. So they're back home. And Daniel, in Daniel 9, he's praying this prayer back at home. And I believe there's lessons in his prayer that we can extract so that as we go back home, we can stay changed. Daniel 9, it says this. I'll start in verse 4. I prayed to the Lord, my God, and confessed, Ah, Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God, who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. We have sinned, done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, and turned away from your commands and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, leaders, ancestors, and all the people of the land. So Daniel starts here, and he's, this is a prayer to God, and he doesn't begin with a promise, and it's been said that promise is just words. And some of you guys have promised, and it's been nothing. Or other people have promised you something, and it's been nothing. And Daniel doesn't start with a promise, and he doesn't start with a commitment. And he doesn't say, God, I'm going to do better next time so we don't get exiled, so that bad things don't happen. Daniel doesn't start there either. He begins with an appeal, and he highlights God's covenant. Covenant. What is a covenant? Um, when I got married, um, this is us at the altar, I think, or something like that. And we're, we're pouring sand together. As it, it's, a, it's a symbol. It, it, it's a ritual that some people would say. And a covenant, the difference between a commitment and a, and a covenant is a covenant is until death. That's why some people call these wedding vows uh, wedding covenants. Because you'll hear things like, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, what? Till death do us part. And so a covenant is until death. And there's a beautiful picture of a covenant in Genesis 15. There's a wonderful picture because God is making a covenant with Abram. And, and right at this point, the, the, the ritual for this is, um, have you ever seen like in super old movies or something like that? Like for people to make a pact, like two people are making a commitment or a, a covenant, a vow to each other, they'll like cut their hand and then shake hands or something like that. It's like super unsanitary, pre-COVID, whatever, right? But it's, it, it, it's a blood oath. And what they're saying is it's so serious that blood will be shed over this. Like I, I would die for this. They're essentially making a covenant. And in, in this covenant in Genesis 15, this is one of the earliest covenant rituals that happens. And it's between God and Abram. And this is how it goes. Genesis 15, 9. He said to him, bring me a three-year-old cow, stay with me, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, a young pigeon. So he brought all these to him, cut them in half, and laid the pieces opposite of each other. And you're thinking, what is happening? Okay, a covenant ritual is happening. God is doing a covenant ritual with uh, Abram. 
And this covenant is God saying to Abram, I will bless you and you will follow and obey me. This is the covenant and this is what it looks like. Uh, you have to bring these animals and cut them in half. So all these animals are, are brought forth, cut in half, and so they're, they're split. And, and, and so now there's a little aisle that goes down the middle. And the way that th- this works is the person that walks through these dead animals that are cut in half, as this person is doing that, they're saying, if I break covenant, just like these animals are cut in half, I will be cut apart. That's what the two parties are doing. So Abram does this, and he's like, okay, I'm going to make a covenant with God. God, I'm making a covenant with God. He's going to commit to me. I'm going to commit to him. Okay, I have the animals. Okay, I'm going to do this. And then Abram must be thinking, I'm going to walk through, but then how is God going to walk through? God is like the creator. He's not like a a physical being here. Like how is God, how how is this actually going to happen? And so let's continue to read, and this is what happens. In verse 12, as the sun was setting, a deep sleep came over Abram, and suddenly a great terror and darkness descended on him. And so everything is prepared for the ritual to happen. Abram's supposed to walk through, then God is supposed to walk through, but then Abram, what? What happens? Falls asleep. He knocked out, and he's just waiting there because he was waiting on God. And in the darkness, this is what happens. Abraham fell asleep in verse 17. When the sun had set and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Abram, when the covenant is over, was sleeping. Who passed through? God. That's the covenant. Why is this so significant? God is saying here, this is how my kind of covenant works with you. If I break covenant, like these animals are cut apart, I will be cut apart. That's what the Lord is saying. But because the Lord is the only one that passed through, Abram didn't pass through, what God is also saying is, not just if I break the covenant, if you break this covenant, just like these animals are cut apart, I will be cut apart for you. So when Jesus comes and he says, I'm ushering in a new covenant. You've broken covenant with me, but just like these animals, I'm going to be cut apart. I'll be cut apart for you. I'll be cut apart physically. I'll be beaten. I'll be mocked. I'll be scorned. I'll be cut apart for you. I'll be cut, cut apart from you spiritually from God. I'll be cut apart for you. I'll die on the cross for your sins. Jesus is ushering in. He's honoring the blood oath that God makes with us. Why am I sharing this with you? Because covenant is incredibly important. You're going to go down the mountain. You're going to go back home. And guess what you're going to do? I guarantee everybody in this room is going to do, including myself. We're going to sin. We're going to sin. And in those moments, we're going to feel terrible Because we've made commitments and promises here to God, and and we're saying, God, I'm never going to do this again, or I'm going to do this every day now, for sure, I'm going to do this every day. We're going to make these commitments, and then we're going to fail, we're going to sin, I guarantee you it's going to happen, and then we're going to do what? Question everything again. Wait, does God still love me? Like, I don't don't feel him anymore, The, the, the feeling's gone. This is what I want you to remember. 
Our relationship with God is not based on our commitment, but on his covenant. On his covenant to you. And it's finished. It's done. So, so when we fall into sin and we fail, it's not like God leaves us or doesn't want us or doesn't love us anymore. No, that's not, none of that is true. Why? Because covenant. He's saying to us, if I break covenant, no, but also if you break, if you break your commitment to me, I'll be, I'll be torn apart. And he was. This is God's beautiful covenant with us. And, it's, and, and right here it says, uh, in Daniel 9, it's a gracious covenant. It's a gracious covenant. It's a covenant of grace because we're going to fall and we're going to need the grace of God over and over and over again. And so now I'm going to shift a little bit and it, it, it might feel, I don't know, uh, like, wait, what? Like, I thought I just put, like, put my faith in Jesus. Now, now you're telling me, like, I have to do stuff? Well, this is how it works. Dallas Willard, a scholar, he puts it like this. The path of spiritual growth in the riches of Christ is not a passive one. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Effort is action. Earning is attitude. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay, so, so the grace of God, it doesn't mean, that, that means we don't earn our salvation, right? We, we don't work for it. Grace is opposed to earning, but grace is not opposed to effort. If you understand that, man, I've been forgiven by God, I've received his grace, there should be effort in our lives. Like, we should be active. We should be committed to living for Jesus, following him, abiding, walking in the spirit. There should be some sort of effort and commitment in our lives. So if your convictions and confessions do not lead to any commitments, what's going to happen is you're going to just be waiting for the next camp and the next spiritual high. But if your confessions and your convictions lead to commitments, and they should, then you're going to be growing. You're going to be growing. I guarantee you that. And so, man, I, I, I want to I challenge you guys with this. There's commitments you can make, and we're going to uh, later on uh, give you a few cards to do this. But I, I want to actually look at two things that um, Daniel is committed to, and maybe you might want to be committed to as well. Okay, this is the first one. Number one, this is something that Daniel's committed to, maybe for you as well. Number one, confess in community. Confess in community. In verse four it says, I pray to the Lord my God and confessed. And then in verse seven, Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but on this day public shame belongs to us. The men of Judah, the residents of Jerusalem and all of Israel, and then jump down to verse eight, Lord, public shame belongs to us. What Daniel here is saying is he's confessing. And, he's, and, and there, is, there is a distinction between getting caught and confessing. Getting caught is getting cornered and having kind of no way out. Confessing is prompted by the Holy Spirit, like cutting at your heart, saying like, man, did you, did you ever have that feeling where you're like, man, like, I know I should change. Like, I know this is wrong. That, that is conviction. And as you confess that, what he's saying here is there's public shame that's happening. And shame is what? It's hiding. It's a group of people that are hiding. And as I look out to you, I, I really feel like, man, you guys smile and we do rec and it's so much fun and, and it's awesome and it is. And then as you guys go into cabin time and you guys share, what? There's a lot of 
problems and issues and anxiety and depression and people want to end their own lives and addiction and family brokenness and unforgiveness and there's a lot of hurt. There's so much stuff going on underneath. And, and this confession of sin, this, conf- this sharing, man, I so encourage you to continue to do it. You've started doing this. That's why you feel closer to God and each other, because you've started to confess in community. And see, this prayer that Daniel is writing, it's not just a prayer to God, although it is. This is he's writing this down so other people can read this. And so he's confessing actually to other people. And so my encouragement for you is, are you walking alone in life? Like, do you have Christian friends that you can confess to? I know you might have Christian friends. You might have Christian friends. Can you confess to them like your sins? Does that happen? And it's it's really hard at times because I'll hang out with my friends and we'll be on like FaceTime or something and we're talking about like our kids or like insurance because we're old and it's boring. I don't know. Like we'll, we'll talk about random stuff. Okay. Or like stocks or like basketball. And, and we're just talking about nothing. And, and at a certain point, it's like, someone just needs to say like, dude, I got to con- like, I got to confess something. Or like when, when I have to confess with my wife, like we're just watching like, I don't know, like Survivor on TV and in between episodes or something, I just need to like hit the pause button and say like, man, I, I need to, babe, I need to confess something. I did, I did this. And it has, to, it has to happen. And so are you guys committed to, I know you've confessed here, are you still willing to share when you go back regularly and confess? I pray that you're committed to something like this. Do not hide. Do not go halfway. And, and I, man, I've been in so many situations where I want to share and I share, but I, don't wanna, I also don't want to like look bad. You, do you know what I'm saying? And so like I only share part of it or like half of it because I still want to keep my integrity, just con- confess, just, go, just lay it all out, share with people because you need them, okay? In life groups, that's a huge part of it. Number two, another thing we can commit to is obeying God's word, obeying God's word. Daniel 9, 11, 13, and 14 says, all of Israel has broken your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. The promised curse written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has poured out onto us because we have sinned against him. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, this disaster will come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquities and paying attention to your truth. So the Lord kept the disaster in mind and brought it on us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all he does, but we have not obeyed him. So Daniel, um, one of the books in the Bible, quick quiz, how many books are there in the Old Testament? Ooh. 62, a little bit less. Old Testament. Clo- 39. 30, did somebody say 39? 39. Yes. You said it, 39. Well done. Gold star for you. I'm so sorry my nose is running. I was... I was crying earlier, it's still coming. Um, okay, Old Testament, 39. New Testament, how many books? 27. Altogether, somebody do math? 66. Okay, so, so God's word. Obeying God's word, we need to, before we can obey God's word, thank you so much. Be, before we need to obey God's word, we need to, we need to read God's word. We, we, need to, we need to read it. Man, when I first went to college, I was so challenged, and we're talking about living in a hostile wor- world. Uh, I remember going and um, talking to all these people from different faiths, 
And one of the early questions they asked me was, hey, you're a Christian? And I said, yes. And they said, okay, so like, what do you believe in? I'm like, God and Jesus. And they're like, well, how do you know that? I'm like, well, the Bible, like I have the Bible. And then they, they asked me, this is like freshman year. I'm like sh shell-shocked in this conversation. And this question haunted me so much, it, it actually changed the way I lived my freshman year. This person asked, wait, so you're a Christian? You believe in the Bible? Have you read it all? And I said, no. He said, you're telling me you believe in something you didn't even read all, all of? I'm like, yeah, I, I, I didn't get to finish. He's like, but, but you believe this is God's word and you didn't read all of it. I said, yeah. And then after that, I was so challenged to, to read through scripture. And, and seniors, who, who are the seniors in here? We, we got a, a handful of seniors. Man, wh whatever is next for you guys, man, I, I really challenge you guys, read through God's word. Um, I, I was teaching this at a conference once and um, I, I actually said out loud, because there was only 12 students, I was like, hey, if you read through the Bible and come find me before you graduate, I'll buy you Korean barbecue. I said that randomly, okay? Um, that, that, that offer is uh, become a, a coffee now, okay? I, I could, I'll buy you coffee because there's uh, 300 of you guys. But um, if you read through the whole Bible, and so um, senior year, a student actually said, hey, I remember you saying that, and I actually read through the whole Bible. And I was like, for reals? She's like, yeah. And I actually like underlined, highlighted, I did all of this, and I met up with her. And um, man, she, she showed me her Bible and it, it looked like this. Every single page marked God's word. For you to obey God's word, you have to read it. Are you in the word and are you living it out? Are you doing that? And see, it, th this, is, this is the pattern and I, I so hope you don't fall into this. This confession that we just talked about in the obedience piece. And so you have to read it and then you have to live it out, right? This obedience piece, it, it kind of goes like this. Some of our lives look like this. Okay, God, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head towards sin because I really like it. And I'm going to do it my own way. But God, I know you're there for me and, and you're going to forgive me, right? You're going to give me grace, your love, reckless love. Yes, 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 yes. So, so okay, God, I'm going to go over there though because I really like that sin. Um, and so I'm heading over there. Oh my gosh, I, I fell into sin again. God, uh, can you forgive me again? Yes, okay. Uh, but man, this is, this is really nice. God, I, I, I fell in again. God, are you here for me? Yes. This confession... Confession doesn't necessarily mean you've turned around. So you've confessed, maybe, and you've done it. That doesn't mean you've necessarily turned around. You're turning to God, but you're not turning around. Repentance, Pastor Kenton in Israel, he, he was teaching us this. What's better than confession is repentance. Repentance is turning from your sin and going a different way towards God. Are you, guys, are you tracking with me? And so it's not just confessing, but it's obediently following him. And some of us are, are Christians that confess, and there's nothing wrong with that. But could we be Christians that live a life of repentance, where we're constantly saying, no, I want to go that way, but no, I'm not going to go that way anymore. And, and when we fall into sin, we fall quick and we say, God, forgive me. I'm, and then we actually shift the other way, and we walk towards him. Can we be Christians that actually do that? Because, because repentance builds a resilient faith, a life of repentance. Repentance is the first word in Jesus' ministry. Repent. Because I think our lives should be marked by that. So you've confessed. 
you've been convicted, would you turn and live a life of repentance? Would you commit to him? And at this time, I'm going to ask some leaders to come up, and we're going to pass out commitment cards for you. Commitment cards. Because what we want to do is, I want to give you an opportunity with God. I want you to take out this card and and get this card, and hopefully you have a pen, and if not, we're going to have pencils that come through. Everybody here has a next step. What is your next step? What is God calling you to? Calling you to do? How are you going to live a life of repentance? What is going to change in your life? Think about this. And and please continue to to be quiet as as the cards come along. There's a few things here. If you said, I believe for the first time, please mark this down. We want to celebrate with you. If you've recommitted, mark this down for yourself. Even if you didn't stand, you can take this opportunity to mark these things. Everyone's going to get a card. I'll continue to explain. Some of you need to get baptized because you've never done so, and that's a public declaration of your faith. We want to celebrate with you um, on... on, um, at your congregation. And so please go ahead and do that. Some of you, you need to come to church regularly. This needs to be a habit and posture in your life. But you're so busy. Maybe you got soccer or sports or, or other things happening in your life. Man, maybe, maybe church is something you're saying, man, I want to commit to this. And I just want to let you know, at, in Irvine, we have a spot for you. We have a student section. Um, every other congregation, you have a student section as well, and we would, love, we would love for you to sit together at church, because church is the place where you're going to get to do what? Confess in community, understand, hear God's word, and get some practical application in how to live it out, and so it's going to help you to do that. Rooted Essentials, uh, just to explain that to the Irvine congregation, it's a six-week Sunday discipleship where we go over how to study God's word and build community. And so if you're interested in that, mark that. And then lastly, serve at church. If you want to serve somewhere and you're like, man, I have gifts and talents, but I don't know what to do. Like maybe you play the trombone or something. I don't know. Like, and and you're like, I don't know how this fits in. Mark it down. We'll we'll figure out a a spot for you. Okay. And then on the bottom, there's, there's two lines. It says, I want to start and I want to stop. I would love for you to take some time to to pray and think about and ask God, God, what do you want me to start doing? God, what do you want me to start doing? I remember my senior year, I I asked God this, God, what do you want me to do? And he, I really felt like he wanted me to share the gospel with every one of my friends who wasn't a Christian, which was my entire friend group. And so senior year, I remember I bought them all Bibles and for Christmas, I gave them Bibles as a gift. And I told them, hey, I, I love you guys. This is my story. I hope you guys go to church someday. Um, just put this on your shelf or something. And they, they, they took that. What is God calling you to start doing? Maybe it's joining your Christian club or FCA or, or something like that. Maybe it's starting to, to read the Bible or, or to pray or to fast or to share or to serve. I I don't know what it is. 
What is God calling you to start doing? Maybe it's not listed there, but it's something else that he's prompted you. Maybe it's to forgive somebody or reconcile with somebody in your family. What is God prompting you to start doing? And secondly, what is he prompting you to stop doing? And a lot of this is probably going to be sin, right? I, I, I want to stop watching porn. I want to stop sleeping around. I want to stop going to parties. I want to stop investing in these friendships. I want to stop, fill in the blank, whatever you feel convicted by. I, I want to get off my phone. And, and, and so many of you, I want to give you credit for just being here. Man, you're doing so much. The reason why you're growing here and, and feeling like this is, man, you're focused, you're undistracted, you're slowing down, you're in community, you're worshiping, you're in the word, you're praying. I give you so much credit for doing this. And so at this time, I, I just want to give us a moment to pray. I'll pray for us, and I'll give you a moment. As you guys get pens or pencils and things like that, please fill this out. Hold on to this card, and we'll give you instructions on what to do. And so let me, let me close us in, in a time of prayer right now. God, we thank you for the work you've done at camp. We thank you for your presence, your spirit moving our hearts. God, and, and we don't want, God, just conviction or this feeling to, to remain here. God, in 24 hours, we're going to be home. And God, we're going to be hit with so many issues and temptations and feelings. And God, we want to stay close to you. God, we, we want to abide and, and grow in our faith. And so, God, things are going to need to change in our life. God, we want to put effort God, towards our relationship with you instead of just making empty promises. And so, God, give us clarity on what exactly you're leading us to next. God, and I pray for these students, God, that even when they fall into sin and temptation, they start backsliding, God, that they'll go quickly to you, to, to grace, God, to the covenant of grace that you give us. And God, for, for some of the other students in here who are going to sadly be, be running towards sin in their old ways. God, I, I still pray that you chase them down. God, because you've laid down your life. You're, you're, the, you're the shepherd that leaves the 99 for the one. And so, God, I pray that every student in here, God, wherever they at, will be reached by you. And so, God, give us clarity on whatever this next step is and help us to do it not by white-knuckling it with our own strength, God, but by trusting in you. God, speak to us now. I thank you for a, a wonderful community that will actually keep us accountable and root us on. God, thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.